0: This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our StrikeTape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape.
1: Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall.
0: I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. All right, Alan, episode eleven. Big day. Big the big one one. I don't know why we're yes. I, don't, I don't know why this is a theme at the moment where we're just talking about the, <laughs> the numbers of the episodes. But we're in double digits and it just feels exciting. Feels exciting. Well,
1: I, I did look this up because my daughter was asking me about it the other day, like, how many podcasts do the average podcasters put out before the, the, it ends? I thought, well, that's a really good question because I've seen some in a couple hundred. But most podcasts end around episode seven. That's the industry oh, really? average. So we're like way beyond that. We're miles you, beyond where seven. Where did you
0: get that info? Were what, what that podcast well, quit- <laughs> podcastquitters.com or what?
1: <laughs> Google. Where do you go for mm. any information like that? Google. You're like you know. Yeah, it's, but Google's gotta, Google. give you
0: a, gotta give you a source though. I mean, that could be Russian misinformation. Oh. Well, it, could, it definitely yeah. could be <laughs> podcastquitters.ru. Ru. Not a good source. <laughs> <Not are you. laughs>
1: yeah, the dot ru. You it should be a hint, right? You probably to lay off that site. Uh, got to be careful. Well, but it, I thought that was interesting, right? There that most uh, podcasts only love last seven episodes, and I can see why, right? Because you and I we spend a good bit of time work on these episodes and we're gonna have some more guests coming on and you know all the all the prep work all the after the post-production stuff that we do and all the computer hardware and software and transcribing all these things it takes it's we have a crew of people working on this pretty much day and night
0: yeah it's a soul-crushing it takes a soul crushing toll to get these all out to you listeners in podcast land (laughs) No, but I mean, our, our, ours is definitely more involved. Like ours is more involved than the vast majority because we do the video element and okay. we separately record. So it's not just like a Zoom call, you know, one quick thing and done. Um, so yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of work to it. I think, the, I think the big thing that podcasts struggle with is figuring out what is our podcast about? Mm. And that's that's the thing for almost everyone where maybe you have an idea initially and then you just like run out of talking points or just not as engaging as you thought it would be after like 10 episodes, and now you're like trying to figure out what you're doing next. That seems to be a common theme. So, yeah, with my my first one, with my former business partner that we did, we eventually just ended up every, convening every, you know, once a week and we're like, Dan, what are we talking about today? And I'm like, Lucas, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and then we like beat our foreheads with our palms for 10 minutes sitting in the office, and then we're like, okay we'll do this and then after like too many weeks of that you're like it's just time like we just need to stop like if you don't always have you know good uh whatever and then obviously doing guests takes a lot out of you it's it's tough to consistently find guests unless you're a big uh a big wig so yeah i mean those are just hazards of the the format i think
1: right and the formats not getting any e- any easier just because there's tends to be more and more requirements about the quality of the podcasts like mm-hmm. Apple and YouTube are really restrictive on you know what you can put up one you, what you can put up one and then two the qual- actually the electronic quality that you're putting up there they want it to be as high as possible so there's some gateways you got to pass through and that you know, it's just on the technology side. We've I, we've invested several thousand dollars on the technology side, which is fine by me because I think we're trying to get a message out and, and talk about things that are interesting to us and, and as we're finding out interesting to a lot of other people. And so it just feeds feeds it back. We get a lot of feedback on the podcast about things to talk about. Uh, things that have happened recently that they want like us or comment on. So it's an interesting sort of a little, little dynamic family that you developed doing these podcasts. Uh, and, you know, for all the effort we put into it, it does, it does provide at least a little bit of reward at the end. I know there's been some long sleepless nights over the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's, it's worth it. It is really worth it.
0: Yeah. It's a good format. I mean, people obviously like podcasts are super, I still don't know what a podcast is. Like, why is that the name of it? The iPod, iPodcasting, like, did it have an Apple? I mean, Apple's, like, owned the format, right? Like, yeah. why is it called a podcast? Why why I, did we name it that? But
1: Well, did it happen, uh, was it a Tim Cook invention at Apple, or was it before Tim?
0: I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, it's, over yeah. a de- it's over a decade old. I'm not sure how long Tim Cook's been at the oh, helm it, of Apple. Oh, okay. So,
1: about I mean, 2000, podcasting's
0: 2012 Podcasting's been around for a long time now. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess it really didn't pick it up until the last couple of years. Uh, cuz I, I think joe it,
0: joe rogan's show which i don't like joe rogan's show is not the oldest podcast yeah. but it's no. his is over 10 years old i'm i'm very certain so oh really it's that i'm pretty, old? I'm, I'm, I didn't pretty I'm pretty sure it is okay i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it is i could google this right now but i'm not going to
1: well that's so. that's longer the most uh how long did Oprah run like how long was mash wasn't the longest running television series was that 12 years M- multiple decades i mean the simpsons is on, like 29th season now Oh well, okay, but I mean like real person, <laughs>
0: not, not cartoons. Dan. Well, like, it, well, even like a modern show, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is it like season fifteen now? So I don't. Oh, I watch, if, uh, if If don't Mash really, true. if Mash really held those records, then uh, they'd have to be way up. Well, I game. wonder.
1: Well, the podcast and think about Joe Rogan. I think he's putting a podcast out three times a week, twice a week. He's doing a lot of podcasting.
0: I'm not sure the frequency. Gunsmoke was 20 years.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we got something to look forward to. We got another 19 to go, Dan. 31 years.
0: 31 (laughs) years for The Simpsons. 21 years Law & Order SVU. Still still going. That's still going. 20 years Gunsmoke. 20 years Law & Order. 19 years Lassie. 18 years Family Guy. So there's a lot of shows. The list above 10 years is at least like 40 deep mash was 11 years
1: well Gunsmoke was a radio broadcast before it was television I think that's been going on a long time Gunsmoke did
0: I mean to wow. make it 10 years or longer these are all very notable like the Big Bang Theory my three sons King of the Hill Bonanza uh, Frazier NYPD oh, blue yeah. cheers Murphy Brown mash modern families 11 well I guess they they ended as well Wow. Actually, actually, no, I guess they I think they're still, no, maybe they're not still going. Maybe Modern Family ended. X-Files, Will and Grace, Everly Hills 90210, they were 10 years.
1: Really? I probably watched Roseanne, five episodes of that. Jag, yeah,
0: Jag made it 10 years.
1: What's Friend, J- oh,
0: friends, yeah. Friends only made it 10 years. Of all the ones that surprised me, Friends, friends. for <laughs> as beloved as it is. Of course, I don't, I'm not, I don't care about Friends, but that's a very well known, that was only 10 years.
1: Wow, that's surprising. So, well, there you go, right? So you have something to shoot for.
0: Seinfeld only went nine seasons. That's also a surprising one.
1: Just like as well, beloved
0: like, as these ones are, that one seems like it's been around.
1: Well how long was it, the office? Six? Uh, seven No was it less right, than that's, that
0: that's like, Oh, nine. there it is. nine.
1: Oh nine. okay. All right also, also so, beloved. So maybe 10 years just, is kind
0: of that, kind of that sweet spot. What maybe it seems so.
1: Like. So Not it's like a lot years of get past 12. Well, like, years five and six tend to be the sweet spots. Like, you finally get up to, you got good writing. <laughs> you got a good staff doing your production work. So you finally stride. hit your stride. <laughs> this is all true. Pre- oh, my gosh. God, can you imagine this five years from now if we're spinning up, we're up at midnight working on this? I hope not. <laughs> on lightning? Well, there's not, there's going to be nothing about lightning.
0: We'll be like, all right, Adam, or, uh, all right, Alan, what happens if lightning hits a Tootsie Roll? What happens if lightning hits a oh, carrot?
1: I'll what tell happens you what? if lightning hits no. a pizza?
0: We'll be so out of ideas by that point.
1: No, because we're gonna be around flying around in our own personal space vehicle, you know. So we have lightning strikes to our own little Jetson mobile, and we're having lightning strikes to our Tesla trucks, whatever the heck we're driving at that point, right? Well, I'm not driving light- anything. In five years,
0: I will be <laughs> in a self-driving <laughs> automobile. Oh, so you think, right? So also in think. a year, also in a year, I won't own a car anymore. So that's for sure happening.
1: Okay. Well, I'm
0: am getting rid of mine this winter for sure.
1: I don't know if that's a good idea because it's oh, cold it's, in wintertime.
0: It's, it's for sure a good idea. It's for, it's you know, a the great thing idea. about
1: well, the thing about wintertime is like, like in a car, you're going to stay Your body temperature is above freezing. Whereas you're walking that mile and a half to the grocery store, you never know, right? See, it's called risk reduction. See, DC,
0: not nearly as cold as it is up there oh. in the winter. It's not nearly as miserable. It'll be cold, but not that cold. <laughs> and they have a thing called Inst- Instacart, which I've learned to use during the coronavirus uh, oh. nonsense. So when it's okay. really really nasty out, I will just call Instacart and I'll have my groceries delivered. There like you go. A yeah, like a spoiled waspy American. So
1: that's that's the new normal. Is it's Instacart, the American way, right? <laughs> well, a lot of those well, things
0: you can start to justify when you say especially you know like when you do consulting you can say all right well and this is a trick i learned from my friend she takes an uber to wherever this government building is that she'll she does consulting for uh, like darpa mm-hmm. and she would take an uber every day i'm like i'm like anna that's that's so expensive how do you take an uber every day she's like well i'm i'm billing them while i'm in the car because i'm legitimately doing work uh taking mm-hmm. a 20 a 20 minutes she's like i'm I'm like actually working yeah. in an uber versus if i go to the metro or do this do that do that i'm like yeah. that makes sense she's like making money yeah. doing it
1: yeah she's she's right. like i'm yeah. she's like
0: i'm not i'm not screwing them over she's like I'm, I'm i'm working in that car like it's focus and it's good use of my time okay well, that, can't argue with that huh? so, so so if, if, if you, you had had get someone wait. to deliver your groceries and you're doing work for that hour <laughs> that you would have been at the grocery store it makes financial sense you i can pay double them. bill yeah well well I'm paying them a $20 premium or a $30 premium for my groceries, but I'm actually producing income for myself instead of being at the grocery store for two hours mm. or an hour.
1: Well, That's true. That's true. Well, so, all right. So if you had a driverless car, I mean, if you had a driverless car, you know where that's going next, right? You got a driverless little airplane. So that's that's your next step, right? And you plug the thing in. You, go to, you climb up to the roof of your condo, house, apartment, whatever you're in, mm-hmm. just pull the plug out. Hop in, you speak the words like, "Hey Siri, I want to go to, I don't know, whatever. I want to go to the Washington Nationals game." And then, bam, off you go.
0: And then I That's lift, it. and then in D.C. I lift off, and then I'm immediately shot down <laughs>
1: <laughs> because
0: that will never happen in D.C. There's a no-fly zone for a 30-mile radius. So,
1: yeah, maybe in another, in... maybe
0: in another city, but not in D.C. That won't happen.
1: Well, did I tell you the time? that I, I was in a uh, of all things, I was in a law firm. That was right next to the White House, and we were like looking down on the White House. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not <laughs> wrong. This is. I'm not sure I should be looking out this window right now because I can tell there's like a missile bank on top of the White House. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're right. You would get shot down. It would take all of five seconds for you to be shot out of the air.
0: Yeah. So there's uh, no. There's a, a strong no-fly zone because I own a little so, drone. I have a little little Mavic, uh little Mavic Mini. I'd love to go fly it somewhere, yeah. but I can't. Not anywhere. Anywhere near here
1: oh I didn't even think about that wow yeah
0: because wow. there's a there's a ring that's like I think it's 25 miles around Reagan Airport and then there's a mm. limited use ring I think outside of that which extends okay. almost to where my sister lives which is about 45 minutes outside the city so wow. I can fly it at her but if you're in like Fairfax for example I, I still think you're it might be illegal so it's a wow. I mean, that, well, you, and that makes sense. It's just very restricted. It's the most res- restricted airspace in the world as far as I've heard. So, not yeah. surprising, but.
1: No, it's not surprising after 9-11, it's gonna be, the res- there's no way you're getting an airplane anywhere near those buildings. That's Speaking of sure. which,
0: I, I guess it was the president. I was out walking the, the national, I call it the national rectangle because I just don't like using the word national mall. Cause I, I just <laughs> keep, I can't get shopping mall imagery out of my head. So I was walking the national rectangle and i was right by the washington monument when marine one the helicopter went by yeah and then marine two marine two came shockingly close to the monument like couldn't have been 30 feet like to the left and they like veered on the inside wow. now, the in- inside doesn't make sense for me yeah. saying it but like i was on the the capital side of it and there were like trees right. and buildings on the side of it I, on the other side it's just like all like yep. grass for you know grass, for a long ways yeah. It was on this side. He and he was not above the not above the monument, so he like definitely was at the point where like the rotors could have like hit the monument. But it was wow. it was it was astonishing. I was astonished at how close to the monument it was. Couldn't have been like I said more than twenty or thirty feet rotor to chopping the the George Washington Monument down like a, wow. like a, just a carrot. So it's pretty crazy. Wow. I'm like, why did you choose that route? Like, there's so much more space on the other side. <laughs> i mean they know so what they're we, doing they certainly know what they're they, doing but it was still just like as an onlooker i'm like that was weird so
1: you think someone's trying to get an instagram photo you think that was what was going he's on he's like
0: self selfie avoidance selfie? system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh no they're in, in in there trying to get a selfie got it right
1: know. right oh my gosh well you, yeah. you had taken some pretty cool video of wind turbines with your drone mm-hmm. those are pretty those are pretty awesome i don't know how you steer that thing so accurately without running into something but that was that was pretty cool
0: well i got the video i got close and i had to be just really cautious because it's hard to know exactly how far you are from something in those things i mean they have the you're looking in the camera and it's got the point of view from the drone itself so you're like you are the drone but even then you're not really sure exactly how close you are and i was pretty far away because i was outside (laughs) of this uh this wind turbine gate i wasn't trespassing so i just flew my drone up and over and then it was I, i guess probably trespassing but i mean do they own the airspace <laughs> i don't think so like i don't know uh, i mean i assume if i had crashed it there i wasn't gonna get it back or no. if i went and tried to retrieve it i'd be trespassing obviously but i was outside the gate flew it over took some video flew mm. back it was fine but my brother-in-law saw that and he's like how did you reserve how did you re how did you resist the urge to not fly that through the uh the blades he's like <laughs> I for sure would have been like trying to fly it through and see if I could make it without it getting chopped up I'm like well because it was 500 bucks I didn't really want to do that but right he's exactly, like right. he's like there's no way I would have made it out there my brother-in-law actually was like a big uh, drone builder in the army amongst many other oh. things that he did but he was very so he's like very well versed in, uh in drones especially with like this was, like years ago when they were um, weren't like a thing like you didn't get a drone that was just like this beautiful ready to fly thing it was like you had to like kind of make them uh, airworthy so
1: yeah well when you were out there uh taking video of those wind turbines did you see what it looked like to be blade extensions on those wind turbines did you no. see anything like that or did they have winglets i don't think they had winglets on them. did they have winglets on those blades
0: i don't think so i don't think okay. so
1: because that's all the rage now is these uh blade extensions and winglets where they're trying to improve the efficiency of the wind turbines by essentially making the blades longer after they've been in service for a while so you can add a couple of percentage points on power output by putting these blade extensions on so what explain
0: to me the difference so what's the difference between an extension and a winglet
1: uh kind of the same right so a winglet like like if you're flying on a 737 not that anybody's flying on a 737 or an a320 there's got these little uh, vertical pieces at the end of the wing that cut down. Up. The Yeah, they go up up and down. Actually, the ones, yeah, they go up and down. If you see the ones on Airbus, they kind of go, there's some up and there's some down. Boeing's just tend they to go. They look cool. Oh,
0: yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, the new Boeing ones go up and down uh, on Southwest Airlines. They have Sitar. Uh, I forget what they call those things, but essentially they go up and down. But on, on the wind turbines, I've only seen them going essentially up. But... Because there is really no up there. So that,
0: so that would be facing the way the wind's
1: blowing? Aft? Yeah. Like uh, in, the, in the direction of the wind, in, in, the, in the wind direction. <laughs> and it's hard to describe. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what they're doing is they're cutting down turbulence off the blade tips and getting more efficiency out of the blade. Now, and the same thing is just a straight extension. So if you just made the blade physically longer, you got this more power being generated by this blade. Uh so the, there's a lot of emphasis on trying to improve the existing turbines and make them more efficient for the last 10 years of their life cycle. And so you're seeing companies like LM and Siemens and um, I think Vestas is doing it, too, where they're actually making this little sleeve or they're applying these, this blade section on the end of the existing blade and then sort of fastening it on to the to the standard blade that, seems, That's like kind a, of that cool. seems like a nightmare that
0: seems like a really yeah i mean so like tell me talk me through the process like what do you know about the installation of these how i mean obviously it's got to be permanent but are they yeah. bolting it in are they epoxying it in it's probably proprietary you might not really know how they're
1: uh, from what them, I can but. tell, it's it doesn't tend to be a lot of bolts. It tends to be more like fiberglass work where they're sort of bonding it on. Uh, so they're blending it into the existing blades. You don't want any kind of aerodynamic step there. You want to s- make it as smooth as you can. So there's um, tooling and whatnot to get that, to, to lay in there just right. But once they do, then you got this... Uh, extended blade, which is producing more power, so it just—it just, it just a, a really a mechanic. Think of a, a mechanical add-on. It's like adding on a, a sunroof onto your car or a cool exhaust. It's kind of the same thing on the wind turbine level, where you're putting this blade extension on. And the interesting thing, because I saw a lot of that going on, and I thought, well, wow, that's all right. I get it. What are they doing for lightning protection out there on these extensions? And then. Then you just see this plethora of design concepts and things that are being implemented in the field because every company has their own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you think about it, you got this existing wind turbine setup and then you have usually a receptor or receptors on the on the base blade, it's called the, the sort of the OEM base blade. And then you add the section onto it and do you have lightning protection on this new section? Do you have a cable you have to connect internally i've seen it where they've actually cut open the existing blade like a make they basically take a saw and cut an opening in it to make it a connection between the extension it's like adding it's like an extension cord kind of thing where they're uh, uh, plugging it in that makes sense to me i've seen the ones where they add uh, the winglet extension and uh siemens Gamesa has a patent out that just came out a month or two ago about this where they they've bonded on a winglet section onto the existing blade and they've used uh segmented diverters from the existing receptor in the blade to then go up into the winglet and pro- provide lightning protection over the winglet that's pretty simple easy thing to do because you don't have to make any internal connections you're just basically using the existing lightning receptor that it's there for the, the baseline blade and then extending it out over the uh, the winglet with segmented diverters, pretty straightforward. And yeah. then I, there was a couple others where they've uh, put receptors in the new blade section and then uh, try to basically plug it in. So it's, it's, there's a lot of variations on a the theme there. I just thought it was really a interesting sort of lightning problem to solve. It's like, I put this extension on now. I got to provide lightning protection on this thing. And it's got to plug into what I already made. How do I do that without causing a lot of work?
0: yeah that seems uh you wonder how like do they have a lot of research out on like is this worth the squeeze i mean i'm sure yeah. even with the uh, sending a repairman up there which is not going to be cheap because it's such no. skilled technical labor and right. not fast work but even yeah. then say it's a couple calls it cost a couple thousand dollars or whatever to get them installed mm-hmm. uh i mean what's is the research that you've seen that says this it,
1: is worth this is worth it yeah, it it is because it pays itself back at least. Okay. So I'm looking at marketing material, not engineering, but the mm-hmm. marketing material says two to three year payback on those things. Well, if you've got 15 years of life yet to go on those turbines, then it, it makes sense to do it because I got yeah. another dozen years of just making more money off these turbines. Mm-hmm. Totally worth it. Totally gotcha. worth it.
0: And what is, yeah. what is the aerodynamic reason that these help?
1: Well, longer blade, more lift. Think of it as a glider. Well, I got that, but like the
0: winglets, like are they corralling wind? Like what does the winglet do either on a plane or or a
1: wind turbine? Okay, so the end of a very standard wing, uh, some of the airflow is outboard. So the air doesn't necessarily go over the top of the surface as much as it starts to slide sideways. So some of the air is actually sliding towards the tip. And when it gets out to the tip, you got this sort of weird aerodynamic thing happening. Cause you have sort of a high pressure, low pressure effect at the tip. And what happens is, if you ever watched airplanes land at an airport and in, in, in the right conditions, you'll see these vortices happen. You see this spinning, uh, spinning air happen. Hmm. Uh, you see it on fighter jets a lot. So if you watch like uh, the Blue Angels or something, and that they're doing demonstrations, or they got smoke. If they got smoke coming off the airplane, like they're doing a demo with smoke, you'll see these these uh, wingtip vortices happen. So it's just, think of any sort of vortice like that as like loss, drag, yeah. flat gotcha. drag. So if you can prevent that drag and make, make it such that um, the airflow comes off the back and the end of the wing smoothly without getting turbulent, it's more efficient. It's less draggy. And if you're less drag, you can create more power on a wind turbine. So on an airplane, it's, you know, the reason Southwest Airlines and some of the airlines took their baseline 737s and started putting winglets on was to save fuel. And I think Southwest saw big-time fuel savings over the fleet. They were one of the first to do it. And they put enormous uh, winglets on those things. Those winglets had to be six foot high. And the latest generation is that. Up top, and then some on the bottom. So they've even replaced the original winglets with newer winglets that are even more efficient. So the, the, I think the data would indicate it's uh, Southwest isn't going to lie to you, right? If you no, see Southwest not, doing yeah, something, they're not messing
0: around. Yeah, they're trying to no, save money for sure.
1: They're trying to save money anywhere they can, right? Ryanair, those kind of airlines are going to be trying to save every every possible dollar they can. So they've done the economics on it, and it says thumbs up. You got to go do it. And hmm. I think the wind turbine industry is doing something similar right now. They see that there's um, benefits. So it's the same thing with like the dino tails. You've seen the dino tails on these wind turbines where it's got the, on the back, on the trailing edge, she's kind of got this kind of bird featherish look to yeah. it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Same sort of thing, right? It's a way to keep turbulence down. Because bird, like an owl feather, the one that I see a lot is the description of like an owl feather. Oh, so yeah. Feathers, you're, you're a big owl guy. I know. Yeah. Well, I got owls in my backyard. Quite honestly, which are awesome they're, because they they're y'all... actually
0: one of the coolest. I mean, owls are like the coolest creatures. I was just <laughs> just messing with you, but
1: no. owls are like they're amazing. Anyway, go on. Well, think about an owl having an owl in the backyard. is that There's not a lot of mice back there because they pretty much take care of that. It's like having a cat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, but if you ever see an owl fly, like if you watch in our backyard, you, you these owls are just unbelievably quiet. And the, the reason they are is because they don't have a lot of turbulence coming off on the backside of their wings. They've got these feathers back there that kind of prevent the airflow from getting turbulent. And that's what they've done on these wind turbines. If they add some of them are called dino tails, I call them feathers, but they look like they look like a, a dinosaur's back, where it's kind of these ridges. And and if you get them out out close, some of them do have a feather appearance to them, and they smooth the airflow coming over the blade, and one they cause it's quieter. Right? So if you're making wind turbines quieter, the neighbors appreciate that. Yeah. I think there's some efficiencies about it, too. So it's funny how we've gone from, in the last couple of years, from essentially 1940s, 1950s wing design, when some of the initial wind turbines came out, and then we got very computationally oriented and we started to make these very aerodynamic shapes. and the blades started to get twists in them from the root to the top. And then at the top, now we're putting winglets on them and we're putting these trailing edge effects on them. And we got, now we have vortex generators, which is even, and you see a lot called VGs, that's wind turbine slang, VG, vortex generators. You have vortex generators that are closer near to the hub on the blades that are, are creating sort of turbulent air to get more energy out of the bottom third of the wind turbine. Uh, there's a lot of aerodynamic things happening on wind turbine blades that didn't happen 10, 15 years ago, because we're, we're really trying to push the edge and the envelope. And this is where we get into things like the leading edge erosion and all those other things, like any kind of disturbance on the surface is drag. And we're trying to eliminate and minimize drag. So reducing vortexes out on the tip reduces drag. Therefore you have more, more energy.
0: Well, here's a question for you uh why three blades
1: uh that's a good question because why not I've four? Seen... why
0: not five why not six
1: well okay so uh cost weight weight more blades, more weight you gotta tower's got to be stronger um three is a sweet spot i think uh they've done the, the calculations always indicate three tends to be the sweet spot so you see the every once in a while you see the four bladed argument or the five bladed argument you're like wow that's a lot of weight going on there. Um, balance, all those things play into it. It's just like on aircraft propellers, you see like uh, a lot of them are two-bladed, and then you get the more sporty ones that are three-bladed, and then you get to the ones that are super-fast propellers, and there may be four or five-bladed, like on the ones that race, they may be five-bladed. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're, trying, if you're trying to get more wind speed, cool, but there's a trade-off there, and if these wind turbine blades are several tons, it's hard on the towers when you start putting a lot of weight on them. So... Three tends to be it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I mean, I,
0: you got, got to always have to assume that the reason things are done, there's a lot of thought behind it, obviously, and a lot of that's like, especially now it's yeah. iteration, you know, 89. Like, they've gone through a lot of the different right. blade designs, like you said, but still, you know, sometimes you're just like, well, why three?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it's very similar to, you ever see cars with three, three wheels? Like, back in the 70s, you see a lot of cars, or 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. cars with three wheels, and we kind of settled on four. <laughs> uh, there's a reason for that right it's a safe there's a safety reason you're not going to tip yeah. the thing over you, or, you blow
0: that or, one tire out of the the one yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you have a, a safe you have
1: a, there's a risk there right so it's all I, that's one of the things i try to teach my kids about engineering is don't assume you know more than the five thousand engineers that came ahead of you they thought about the same things you're thinking about realize they made decisions based on the information they had now they may not always had the best information so okay then well we can investigate that but don't necessarily assume you're the one genius that's come along that's going to fix the world because there's a lot of smart people out there mm-hmm. <laughs> there just are and in the wind turbine industry particularly on the aerodynamic side really really smart people they've been working on this a long time so uh, i don't i n- never never think that they haven't thought this through well, do,
0: the, do these wind turbines like how much extra weight capacity do they have? Like, obviously, you can't mm-hmm. just extend the the blades fifty percent longer, even if you had the ability to do so, because it might be too much torque for the box or just too much weight. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they right. like? So, how much extra is on tap where they could say, "Oh, we could we could safely add fifteen feet or thirty feet or x amount of pounds"? Like, how much extra do they have in the tank? You think?
1: Uh, that's a good quick, good question because you got to worry about how much load you're putting onto the tower. You right, don't want to max anything
0: out, yeah. You always want things no. to be operating like pretty well below their capacity. You know, with a car, you don't redline it, even though it could go that fast. Like you want, to be, right?
1: Eighty
0: yeah. percent ish mm-hmm. kind of
1: number. eighty percent is where you want to live on most things, just so if you want it to have a lifetime. And I think yeah. uh, there's obviously more uh, you, as you put these blade extensions on your, you're clearly adding more weight and you're adding more load um, because that's the whole point. Uh, the, the the push factor from the wind. Is putting load onto the tower how much can the tower handle so from what I could see they've looked at how much a tower can possibly stand how big can those extensions be can it handle it from the from the hub standpoint and all the bearings or things that are inside of this thing there's also kind of vibration flutter effects they need to go look at yeah it's that's a really interesting question because I think you know we were talking about the wooden towers over in Sweden. And that's one of the questions I had this week about that was like, how much load can you put on that thing? You know, steel is a really n- well-known material and we have a lot of understanding of how it performs in loaded conditions. Uh, I'm not sure we have that for wood, like we do for steel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, Cause you always just wonder like, you know, even if you're, if things just start to break down when they're just pushed too close to their to their max and we all like i said we all know that but yeah you you wonder like how how much is left on tap with some of these these big wind turbines and you know often i wonder like how much farther like a car could go if uh i don't know like efficiency is obviously key and and working below like even like our microphones like microphones need a certain amount of power so they can be in their sort of like 60 percent range and sound good and not sound overblown and computers the same way like they don't want to run too too close to their processor capacity
1: yeah it's just like that's why you get a rental car so you can find out what the car you're about to buy will really do without you having to go wreck your car go find out right so a lot of people go out and rent the car that they're thinking about buying and then push it push it to the limit like especially Hmm. a little sports car they they won't buy the car themselves because you don't want to go to the dealer right and go redline on your new whatever audi you're not going to go redline on audi with the dealer sitting next to you the sales guy sitting next to you what you do is you go out and you rent the car and then you go see what it can do and then you go co- <laughs> then you go to the dealership and say yeah okay i like that car i redlined it a couple times it didn't implode therefore i go i can go out and buy myself a new audi See how that that's works? an interesting thought. Yeah, I never thought of that. But that's a I mean, I know people
0: would go take get a rental car if they're gonna go on like a big family vacation sometimes just to not put the two thousand miles on their car. Yeah. But I'd never, uh, I'd never thought about that. But that makes sense. No, no, no.
1: Go go for the opposite way, Dan. I know you're trying to eliminate a car from your life, but that's the way that's the way, if you want to know what engineers do, that's what engineers do. You don't trust the book. You know, the book says it goes zero to 60, and like, like Musk, says 1.9 seconds. Well, how the heck are you going to mm-hmm. verify that? I mean, he could be blowing smoke, right? Well, I'll go out on to, you know, ho- hopefully Hertz isn't listen. I'll go down to Hertz, and I'll go rent myself uh, a new Elon Musk, Tesla, whatever, and I will go find out. I'll take a stopwatch and we'll go find out. That's how you do it. Yeah, but how do you actually do that you're in the
0: car like how do you verify that it was 1.9 when you hit 60 like you're looking at the tachometer or not the tachometer the speedometer when it exactly yeah, gets there
1: ahead. yeah well you have another be person very, in the car
0: yeah and you got a little
1: stopwatch well you have r- your iphone r- r- there r- entry. <laughs> you know and probably probably in a tesla it For would an tell engineer, you
0: near <laughs> this is a very unscientific way to do this but. <laughs> But okay, but okay. Um, So, so, so. Final thought, final conclusion here. These blade tips, these winglets, the extensions for wind turbine blades. Mm. Is it a winner? Is it a winner, or is it a loser? Is
1: a thumbs up winner if you can get the lightning protection right. It's a thumbs up winner, and uh, I know we've had been reached out to a couple of times here about this subject in particular. So, uh, WeatherGuard Lightning Tech, we've been you know, providing information about those blade extensions and how to protect them. Uh, So to us, it's a winner. It makes sense long term to add more power and to just increase that production. Clearly a winner.
0: All right. Well, We're going to wrap up today's episode of Uptime. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a regular here, thank you for your continued support. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out the WeatherGuard Lightning Tech YouTube channel for video episodes, full interviews, and short clips from each show. For Alan and all of us at WeatherGuard, stay safe and we'll see you next week. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.